we shifted away from Salesforce to all HubSpot. And I mean, Dan, all HubSpot. So we don't use Zendesk for ticketing. We use HubSpot support. We don't use our operations platforms. We use HubSpot operations. We don't use Salesforce. We use HubSpot CRM. We don't use Pardot. We use HubSpot marketing. That's Chief Revenue Officer of Panzora, Dan Wolschmidt. He goes 100% against what I typically preach, the best-in-breed stack. And he has the results to prove it. Panzura has grown over 480% this past year and is ranked 17th on the Inc. 5000. What Dan preaches today is about going in on the all-in-one suite model, you know, the stack built on top of HubSpot, and how this is a big reason for Panzura's growth. Instead of having buying into the sort of best-of-breed where you bring in six cents to do this and I want demand base to do this and I want my Outlook email to do this other thing, we realized that while we were probably missing out on some cleverness, we were gaining by simplifying. And so for us at the time, we said, we're not going to go with all the different stack. We're going to go with a few different platforms that we're really, really, really dialed in on. When Dan told me they trained their sales team on how to use Google Calendar, Google Docs, Gmail, and even Chrome, I was blown away by his focus on efficiency and the details. His team uses efficiency to crush it. And since he bought Panzer back in 2019, he's grown the company over a thousand percent. Today, he gives us insight into how his team has achieved these results. This is Dan McGaw. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw.io. Every week, I get to speak to these executives and find out the strategies and tactics they're using to drive revenue. And I'll dig into the tools they're using to get it done too. This week, I've got Dan Wolchmidt, the CRO of Panzura. And before we jump in though, make sure you hit that follow button and catch us each week. Let's jump in and hear more from Dan. Can you start out by just by like introducing yourselves and telling us your title at the company and such? I'm Dan Wolchmidt. I am the CRO of a tech company called Panzura. I love it. Now, Panzura, I was doing some research on y'all earlier, and I was trying to make sure that I understood what y'all do. Can you kind of help us understand, like, what's Panzura? So the Silicon Valley mumbo-jumbo would be, we are hybrid multi-cloud data management. At a real practical level, think about Dropbox for enterprises. Ultra-secure, super-fast, and allows you to access data around the globe in milliseconds rather than five to seven minutes to download something. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Now, I guess like, so you have to be working with large, massive enterprises. Is that like the primary use case or is it small business too? Or help me understand. So our target customers are enterprise customers. And the reason being, they're just the ones who experience this, this pain of having lots of locations, lots of workers, lots of people who need access to the same set of files. If you think about the workflow of just everyday interactions, as a, leading a sales team, we make presentations and we use the same core presentation like 57,000 times in a day, tweak like three logos here, a word here. It's the same version. So inside my file system, I've got you know many, many, many copies of the same file. What Panzera does, it's very clever. And again, I, I did not invent this, but I was keen enough to buy it when I saw the opportunity and grow it, is we keep one copy of any file. And then in the cloud, we do some magic to change or save versions of the file so that all it's a super lightweight framework for an infinite number of changes 
but at one one hundredth of the size of your storage platform, which also means if you need to share that file, unlike Dropbox, where a family member says, I just went to Cancun and here's my here's all my videos. And you're like, five minutes, four minutes, three. And then at two minutes, you're like, I don't even know that I want to see this video anymore. And like, this better be the best damn video in the world. So Panzera does that in like eight seconds around the world. It's so clever. Oh, it's amazing. So our clients now, instead of waiting, think about if you have 10,000 employees and they're all waiting five, six, seven minutes for a file. This could be a game. If you're a game developer, or if you're an engineering and you're looking for a large blueprint, or it could just be a PowerPoint that's 50 megabytes or something and you need to share it and you're waiting and you're waiting instead of working. If you had a genius thought and need to put it into a document, that thought is gone. If you just want to work, guess what? You turn your computer on, you open your file system, your PowerPoint, you go get a cup of coffee, go to the bathroom, high five your friends, knowing that hopefully by the time you actually get back to your computer, that file will be downloaded and ready. And now Panzer up instantly makes that file accessible anytime, anywhere, you know, super fast and ultra secure. It boggles the mind a little bit, but it's very clever, uh, the technology that empowers people to do their best work from anywhere in the world. As the CRO, right, like you've, you've come in, you've taken over this company. What are the KPIs and goals that you have for yourself? Like, how are you measuring success? One of our original goals was 100% year-over-year growth. Right, that was a good mark. By the way, that gives us the best valuation too. Right? And we didn't raise money to go do this. We just bought the company. But in February of this year, we raised money. And when you raise money, now you have different people to report to. By the way, I saw a th- almost a 1,000% growth between purchase price and investment at time. So that's kind of really wicked cool right there. A lot of, a lot of work, but 1,000% growth in that period of time. Earlier this year, we made a pivot, which was moving from what we were calling Project Snowpiercer to Project Thrive. Project Thrive was about, hey, the economy might be a little wobbly. We're not sure. There are some other things happening globally, this Russia thing, Ukraine thing. There's issues globally. What if instead of growing at this torrid pace, we actually were cash flow positive? And so in a matter of about two quarters, we've gone from sort of throw everything at this, all the cannon fodder, to saying, let's get fiscally smart. Let's consolidate our tools and process and get clear on the people. And we are on track to be cash flow positive in the next 60 days. Good for you. For Yeah, for a high growth, we're still in the top 99% of growing companies. We'll grow by over 50% year over year while having 85% profit margins and a 97% logo retention and 125% net revenue retention. It's insane, some of these numbers, right? But at the same time, doing it the hardest move and perhaps the most valuable to us is being cash flow positive. Because as I told my team, there are things you won't be able to have. You'll have to make choices about tools and technology to get really clear on what you want. So we don't invest seven different times. We invest once. But... The benefit of being cash flow positive is I can do this thing forever. If I don't add another dollar, I am good. Job security for everybody. Again, that's why we call it Project Thrive. Lean into this. Let's be disciplined. Let's measure four times and cut once instead of sort of the typical startup thing is, I don't know what I want. And someone told me I need all the tools. And so I'm going to get all the tools and not really use them. Historically, at Panther, we didn't have money to invest into marketing. We just, as a team said, we're not going to do marketing. So all of that growth that we're talking about was sans marketing. And here's what I mean by that. 
yeah, we have a website. Yeah, we probably advertise, you know, spend $10,000 a year on Google AdWords and things like that. But you won't really find much paid, you know, Facebook or Instagram or Google, any, any LinkedIn. You, you won't find us on these ad platforms, ad networks. You won't see us doing paid webinars, right? You won't see us spending a lot of money on video production and podcasting. We will do some PR only because we're doing some kick-ass stuff and we want to make sure that we've got that out there. But the rest of it is, it's a little bit like a knife fight is what I tell our team is one-on-one, we win these things, right? The next level for us eventually will be turn on the spigot of marketing and watch as we get some like air cover from the top down. But again, part of the, the discipline, this process is what are we going to do? We have these goals. Let's thrive. Let's be cash flow positive. Same time, let's make sure we do it in a way where like, we're going to have to say no to some things, right? And I had a mentor of mine, old mentor of mine who said to me, you know, you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else. But if you say no to one thing, you, you have the option to say yes to everything else. And so that's a little bit of what, what you're seeing from us at this stage in our evolution. I love it. And you know, I think, you know, Michael Porter said it best, right? The best way to know you have a strategy is you know what you're saying no to, right? And that's the epitome of strategy at the end of the day. And I think a lot of companies, you know, say yes to everything, right? And they don't realize that. It's the reason why you see so many people burned out. You know, when you think about the KPIs, right, that let's say you have two KPIs that you're really using to measure your team today. What would you say those two KPIs are? I mean, cash flow is, of course, a great one, but it's not something I'm going to measure my team on a daily basis with. We ultimately measure success based on new ARR added, okay? So, you know, revenue is a trailing indicator. So last thing that happens is you book the order. And unfortunately, in our line of work, which is, you know, the software world, that usually happens the last day of the quarter, right? It's like you see this huge hockey stick. By the way, that was a, when we first bought the company, I'm like going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then all of a sudden, the last day, you finish your deals and you're like, what happened? You know, well, and now I'm kind of like, yeah, I know we're at 10% of goal two months in, but now all of a sudden you watch these deals start falling, you, you start feeling a little better. So ARR is one. I look a lot at effort. And what I mean by that is inside HubSpot, I look at the cumulative effort for our sellers. So we track WhatsApp messages, we track text messages, we track emails, we track phone calls. Um, we use chorus.ai for some call recording and things like that, both video and, and just phones. I look at activity because here's why. If you're new and starting out in your patch, in your region, you're going to need to create the runway for yourself. Again, remember, we're not a marketing-led company. We're a sales-led organization. So you need to create that activity. If I don't see that effort from you, then your AVP is going to get a call from me going, hey, you got to go help so-and-so because they clearly don't know what we're all about, right? They just don't. So effort is a big one for me. The other one that I really look at is efficiency. Now, I know your typical sales efficiency is like, how much are we paying this guy? And how much is he bringing in? And let's divide A by B. And that gives us a, that gives us a number. For me, efficiency is a little bit different. Again, it goes back to that saying no. How many target accounts are you working on? If you've got 20, then, and you've got a $2 million quarter, are you trying to get you know, 10,000 from 20 accounts a piece? Are you trying to get 100,000 from two accounts? What's your efficiency? And here's why I track that. That allows me to know how to scale as I'm bringing in new individuals into either an existing region that I need to grow or just fill in new areas across North America and, and, and EMEA. So the two big things I, I look at are, are one, effort, and then efficiency. 
efficiency is crazy important. And the best way to boost your efficiency is to track it. I have a unique perspective here. I run multiple companies and out of all of them, Magon.io is the only one that actually tracks its employees' time. And since we're an agency, we track our time to the projects and the different tasks we're working on. How much time did we spend on email is tracked? How much time we spent on project management? How much time did we spend analyzing data? All of the information is tracked. On the other hand, let's say UTM.io, one of my SaaS companies. No one tracks their time, and we really have no idea where people's time is going. Yeah, we can see the activities in the tools, but it's not all that easy to really see how much time went into an activity. With Magal.io, though, I have a clear line to know where we're being inefficient with our team's time. And we use that visibility to optimize what every team member here is working on. It is a constant focus on how we can make each person more efficient in what they're doing. As an example, as we've grown, we've noticed how much time our independent contributors were doing project management. They were spending one to two hours a day just doing project management, and this means one to two hours less of not doing billable work for clients. So we realigned their PM work to project managers, and now we're generating more revenue and being more efficient with their time. The same tactic has applied to emails. We noticed how much time people spent on email, and we came up with training to make it so that people could do it even faster. And this had a big impact on the business. For those of you out there who might be familiar with Superhuman, you can do a lot of those things in Gmail as well. You just got to know how to use the hotkeys. Now, we use Harvest at the agency to track time, and soon we'll be rolling out rescue time at all of our other companies to get a better idea of how you can optimize their day. If you can't measure it, right, you can't manage it. And I hate to say it, but your team's time is the most expensive time there is. Gaining a 5% efficiency on your team's time can save you millions. Hell, it can generate you millions. This is exactly what Dan is doing at Panzura. If they're working on bad processes that are sucking up their time, you're really going to be losing a lot of money at the end of the day. Let's hear more about how Dan is doing this with his team. Earlier, we had talked a little bit about some of this, like, of course, you were focused on new AR, you're focused on the effort, you're focused on efficiency. I guess, like, what are some of the big initiatives that you're running that are really helping kind of help you meet your goals? There's kind of three core pillars that we've built our go-to-market and our routes to market off of. The first stack is what I call everyday productivity, and that's the Google Workplace stack. And that's your Google Meet, it's your calendar. We can come back to that because we've got some super secret, awesome ways we use calendars, email, all of that. And then plugins for Chrome to optimize your Gmail. The second one is Zoom Info. And this is a popular one for a lot of people, but we use everything from them, basically. Um, in fact, we're just adding Ringtail, but you know, it's Chorus for recording calls. It's enrichment. They've got the ability to attach this to the forms on your website. When someone fills out a form with just an email address, it goes and says, oh, Daniel at Waltschmidt.com. That's Dan Waltschmidt, and he's the CRO. Fills that in, drops that into HubSpot. Enrichment, cleanup, sort of searching, ICP, all of that. I mean, literally every product they sell including they have this really wicked cool product called Inbox AI. What's neat about it is often in organizations, I'm messaging somebody at Oracle and you're messaging somebody at Oracle, but I'm in my silo and I don't know you're messaging them. So what's neat about it is we can grab our organization, which was 90 people when we bought the company and 400 now. I can grab those people, put them into Inbox AI, and then I can look at like, oh, I didn't know support was working with somebody at Oracle. I've been trying to get a hold of somebody at Oracle and you're supporting them. So I'm going to use your route to conversation via that talk track. So I like that. Yeah, very, very clever. Very, very clever. By the way, there's another tool on the market we toyed with called SigParser. 
SIG parser, SIG parser. And they started with email signatures, ripping the email signature out of, or the, the content of your email signature out and putting it into a system, Google Contacts, HubSpot, Salesforce, et cetera. They then created all of this graphical analysis around who's sending the most emails, who's getting replies. And you see sort of like a waterfall of like who's messaging whom, how many are being responded to. It's gorgeous. Technology like this allows us to really get clear on what communication's working and who's doing it, right? So, okay, you've got this Google stack, which is like your everyday sword and spear, I'm going into battle. And then you've got Zoom Info, which is like, I'm going to build my ICP and I want to see who in my region. And let me do a little research. By the way, Zoom Info has this cool ability where, you know, if I know you, Dan, but I'm like, well, shoot, Dan's important. I don't see his email. I don't see his phone. I don't know what's going on with him. They've got bespoke research where I'll say to them, can you please send me Dan's information? Can you write up a dossier for Dan? They'll go out and find everything they can. Oh, there's a podcast here and there's a consulting thing here and there's a technology here. And by the way, here's Dan's email and phone number. And I get that little short dossier ready. It's super clever from Zoom Info. So, Google, Zoom Info, the third one's HubSpot. So we made a shift, and and this might be heresy for some people listening, but we shifted away from Salesforce to all HubSpot. And I mean, Dan, all HubSpot. So we don't use Zendesk for ticketing. We use HubSpot support. We don't use our operations platforms. We use HubSpot operations. We don't use Salesforce, we use HubSpot CRM. We don't use Pardot, we use HubSpot marketing. Every sort of tool they have is kind of a building block that we've built off of. And of course, they keep rolling out things, data cleansing technology and things like that. So instead of having, buying into the sort of best of breed where you bring in, you know, oh, I want you know six cents to do this, and I want demand based to do this, and I want you know my Outlook email to do this other thing. We realized that while we were probably missing out on some cleverness, we were gaining by simplifying. And so for us at the time, we said, look, we, we're we're not going to go with you know all the different stack. We're going to go with a few different platforms that we're really, really, really dialed in on, and so. Those are the three key platforms that we've owned and we lean into right now. Dan is about to share some great benefits he's getting from taking the all-in-one suite approach and compared to using the best-in-breed stack. But I want to address this really quickly. If you're an avid listener of the show, you'll have heard a lot of arguments about both sides of the table here. Best-in-breed stacks versus the suite debate. There really are a lot of benefits to both. What this ultimately comes down to, though, are what are your goals? For Dan, he wants to maximize for efficiency. This comes with effective communication and as well as alignment across his team. With that goal in mind, the sweet system is the best call for him. But that's not to say there aren't sacrifices that come with it. We went a little bit deeper in this a few weeks back in my conversation with Justin Bauer, the chief product officer at Amplitude. I think more and more companies are getting smart about thinking about how do you balance best of breed with best of suite. I think the old world where things were walled gardens, people are kind of understood that going away. I mean, so not to pick on like an Adobe, but I think Adobe has always been about a walled garden. You even look at their CDP offering. It's really a CDP for Adobe. So I would think carefully about, do you really want to lock yourself in in that fashion? Ultimately, the choice is going to come down to careful consideration and understanding your priorities. Dan knows his priorities well, and his choices work incredibly for Panzura. Let's get back to Dan. 
So this starting with a suite of tools compared to going the best of breed, right? How do you think that's really helped you kind of push the business forward? Like what are the ways that you're gaining from that? So specifically about HubSpot, my VP of sales is from Comvault and he managed like 2,000 sellers. He comes here and there's like 20, right? And, and now we'll have 2,000 in a short order. He's like, where's my sales force? You know, beats the table. And I'm, I'm like, well, we don't have sales force. So we have HubSpot. What is HubSpot? I've never heard of it before, you know? And so then you go down this path where it's like, well, this is some Mickey Mouse sort of bullshit. And, you, and then you start digging into it. It's like, oh, wow. I didn't know that automatically all the emails were tracked and, and inputted into HubSpot. And I didn't know that my calendar invites and notes were auto-generated and, and all of these automations. So what it allowed us to get is a 360 view of a customer, an opportunity, a region. HubSpot allowed us to do that. And I, by the way, I know that I could have built out Salesforce to do something similar. You know, I know that there's different tools and consulting companies who can kind of put it all together, but almost, almost out of the box, almost out of the box, we we're able to do something similar-ish where we've got a 360 view of a customer. And there's something magical about that, right? Because again, it's using all of those details to drive success. So a, a, a ticket is opened up. Again, let's say it's the Hartford. The Hartford's one of our customers, you know, really, really big international insurance company and, and you know, FinServe, they're an existing customer, but I'm trying to farm them. I'm calling somebody, no answer. Calling them, no answer. Call, like, what is going on? Then I notice, and when I'm in the company profile, oh, wait a minute. They've been engaging certain key individuals with our support team in India. And now I tell our support team in India, do not respond until you add me to the email so I can begin to engage. And then I have a short conversation around, hey, I know you're talking to us. Can we have a lay of the land? And so now I went from like everybody operating in silos, everyone kind of doing their job and doing a great job. We're not knocking it. They're doing a great job to now saying, oh, what if we all lined up together? What if I saw what support's doing and pulled them into the conversation, right? Allowing me to drive additional wallet share. So what we're seeing is better conversations, more timely conversations, conversations that lead to revenue growth. Almost 80% of our revenue is with customers who are spending more money with us. As we make this pivot from SMB and Medlar into enterprise, we have mastered or are mastering this 360 view of a customer to be able to drive revenue-related messaging just in time. And so just like Toyota can do it for manufacturing a car, we're getting really good at it for manufacturing revenue on a quarterly basis. So you, you have all this stuff in HubSpot, and I'm curious, in HubSpot, you're able to Part, you're able to participate in all these different conversations, which is really, really intriguing. I guess like when you compare that to a Salesforce stack or something like that, which is definitely a lot of tools buttoned up together, I guess is there, what do you think you're leaving on the table in that situation? Is there something that you've had your VP of sales be like, hey, reporting. Oh, it's reporting? Yeah. So we take everything out of HubSpot, put it into Power BI, do some zhuzhing, and then have some dashboards there. So the, the one big thing that we know we're leaving on the table, and we've had some conversations with HubSpot, and they're giving us some inside baseball on what they're developing, it's all around reporting, right? So there's some richness there of reporting that we're missing out on. Great reports. I just, you know, if I have to look at like salesperson efficiency versus time to first sale versus activity, I want to mash all that up together and see like, oh, wait a minute, here's the conclusion. When I put in more effort, 
I am upfront less efficient because right, I have no revenue at all. Over time, over trailing 12 months, my efficiency gets really good because of the effort related to key target verticals. I can parse and slice all this up on the same graph. Now I have to look at a chart of efficiency and then pick up another chart of, you know, trailing 12 months and pick up another chart and kind of like almost, I feel like the, you know, you ever put a, you know, picture behind a picture and then you hold it up to the light and you're trying to look at like what's in the envelope. I feel that's a little bit like what I'm trying to do sometimes. So there are some things that are not exactly one for one, but I think overall I'd rather have the 360 view of the customer if I have to give a trade, I mean, I want it all, but if I have to give a horse trade, it, it would be like, let me have a better customer view than it would be just reporting. I would agree. I think at the end of the day, and, and I work in analytics all the time, right? So, and everybody's like, I want the most definitive analytics. And I'm like, at the end of the day, you know, Wistia got to a million dollars in MRR and they had no analytics, right? And they were killing it. And it's because they knew their customer. They were so customer-centric and they had a great culture that focused on that. And I think you're spot on with the fact that you, you're more focused on the customer than you are necessarily that reporting, which is what most important. I'm interested to go back. You had talked about this efficiency and tracking activity and effort. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of cool stuff with Google. I'm intrigued. What are you doing with Google? One of the big training that we did for our sellers was not about Panzera the product, but believe it or not, even with sellers who have 15, 20 years of enterprise software experience, right? So these are old hands, right? They did not know how to do simple things that drive things forward. So, you know, in Google Calendar on your mobile phone, you can set habits. You can say, I want to prospect every day for an hour. You set that up in Google Calendar finds an hour in between when you have everything else and automatically creates a time slot for you to go prospecting. Things like reoccurring tasks or reoccurring reminders. Here's a silly one, Dan, that's very effective. We've generated more millions off this one little hack than I think just about anything else. It's the follow-up hack. So we do something in the morning where every day we get a reminder to our team members to say, follow up with everyone you met with yesterday. So simple note, hey, Dan, thanks for meeting. Looks like we're going to pursue some business. You said numbers one, two, and three, and I will follow up with you next week. Anything else you need? And some of that is templated. A heck of a lot of it is sort of vectoring. So again, I don't need to know. It's not a full templated email. It's like, hey, here's what I need from you. I'm going to vector in that right direction. So we use Google Calendar a lot. There's now the ability to do time blocking, right? You can just do that. You, you can do calendar slots. You can, of course, my, you know, my favorite thing is like looking at when someone else in your company is available and just putting time on their calendar to connect and debrief and do all of that stuff. So I had heard that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and some others, Bill Gates, they carved their day into five-minute segments. And I used to think that was crazy, right? But more and more, I got to tell you, Dan, I'm down to like 15-minute segments, so I'm not that crazy yet. Really? There is power to really being efficient with the time you spend, right? And that's one of the big enabling things we've brought to our team members, right? That and the, I think the other thing is all the plugins, the Chrome plugins you can add for Gmail. Everything from just the HubSpot plugin where right, I've got all my HubSpot stuff right next to my emails. Maybe you're using Superhuman to elevate your email experience. There's video apps to be able to like shoot a video instead of just sending an email. The level of possibility now inside Chrome and Google is so stratospheric. Like, 
you shouldn't complain about anything. In fact, if you don't even want to use HubSpot and just want to build a CRM out of Google Sheets, like there are templates, there are people who have created that already. Project management, task tracking, people follow up. It is bonkers. And the last tidbit I'd leave is this. This is like wicked cool. Inside Google Calendar, when you open it up, there is the ability to create a Google Doc that's embedded right inside. Uh, the, let's talk about this. I have reoccurring events. I have weekly leadership meetings with my VPs. I've got one-on-ones with my leadership team. So guess what I do? I have this document. And inside this Google Doc, I use the at sign. When you use the at sign, it has a whole menu of possibilities. One of, so I can go at Dan, you pop up. And then now you're inside a one-on-one doc with me where we can share and I can say, hey, you committed to doing this. I committed to doing this by our next one-on-one. Let's level up. So the high-level canopy here is organization, productivity, preparation. I tell our team, they're like, I often joke, born ready. It's not so much that I'm born ready. It's just I'm always ready because of how I'm organized, how I'm living my life, right? So what I'm doing is I run off of a phone and a Chromebook. A Chromebook. I don't need a MacBook Air. I don't need a MacBook Pro. I don't need a PC. I have a Chromebook. I can throw it away. I can drop kick it and you know right into the trash can. Go get a new one, and everything I need is like ready to go at any time. Right. So a little bit of productivity hack there for the Google Google universe. I just have to. I have to jump in really quick in regards. This is why you're also able to be an ultra marathoner is because you're you're this efficient with everything. There's no way that you could run 50 miles without being this efficient in everything you do. Well, I got to say, at at a certain point, like running 50 miles is not efficient because you start turning into a tor- a tortoise. But yes, for the first 15, <laughs> 20 miles, you're like, oh, I'm really great at this. Until you're not. Until you're not. <laughs> That's so funny. I love this focus on Google and the efficiency. And I'm very blown away because you're taking things that I think maybe you and I take for granted because we just do it. And then you're teaching that to your team and then making them even more efficient, right? Because if you can get twice as much work done in half amount of time, right? You're going to be able to close twice as many deals in the same amount of time. So I think it's very impressive to see that you're focusing on this and So you're providing training, in essence, on the Google stack and providing them coaching and tips to that. And that's a part of your, your, kind of your onboarding, it sounds like. Yeah, very much so. The other thing I I tell our team is hours become days, become weeks, become months, become quarters. And so when I, again, why I drill down into effort is effort is the great equalizer. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a college degree, but boy, if you put in the effort, that guy or gal who puts in the effort they end up winning every single time, right? And so you're, you're right. You might know technology. You might be 15 years in the business, 20 years in the business. But if you don't have your calendar dialed in, I'm going to run circles around you. When you think about your personal like stack, right, that you're using, but from a Chrome extension perspective, what do you get the most use out of? And you can't use HubSpot on this one. Yeah, so I think awesome screenshot is one. Awesome mm. screenshot. I love, 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 baby. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm just nerdy, stupid enough where I've got like, I love the ability to take a screenshot and then put it inside of a, bro- a fake browser window and then put a padding around it. And I can whip together a presentation pretty damn quick with screenshots that don't even look like screenshots. Even our head of graphic design is like, oh, that's pretty cool. Who did that for you? I'm like, uh, I did it, you know? And so, <laughs> so things, so that's number one. That's, I love that. Number two is dub. 
D-U-B-B. What's Dub? It's a video. It's like Vidyard. I fell in love with it when they were up and comers, up and comers, and 30 bucks a month grandfathered in forever and always. So, you know, I'll be that platform. But the power of communicating, not just with email, but video, you know, what we're doing where you just, you you can share in a way where like people see your face and hand gestures and you can, you know, you're saying something that's impactful. The power of that, it's just incredible, right? And so if I look at big rocks, those are a couple. And then there's there's like small ones, like I have a Chrome extension to automatically accept cookies. So I don't have to go to the bottom of every page and hit okay, accept the cookie, right? Just automatically does it, right? I've got a Chrome extension that automatically converts Office Docs into Google Docs. So I, I don't have to do, it automatically shows up. I've got Chrome extensions that automatically turn my computer off or keep the screen on. I use one password for all of my, you know, security profile, right? So there's 15 or 20. And I'm one of these nerdy people who are like, I haven't used it in a while. I just go in there and like start deleting shit. And then later I'm like, didn't I have a Chrome extension to do this or this? And, and of course I can't find it. But having those things dialed in, Chrome is like this really powerful beast, right? That can allow, allows you to do all of these really, really neat things. No, I, I, I think you're killing it with Chrome. I mean, I've got more Chrome extensions than I probably have Mac apps, so I'm with you on the same page. It, when you think about like, you know, recommendations that you would give to other people that are building their stack or trying to grow their company, I mean, how would you tell them to optimize their stack? Details, 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 details. I measure the success, I see the success. And I, when I was a consulting, you know, and, and building this, you know, 14 countries helped drive $19 billion in new revenue. So I'm not coming to you as like some loser who's just trying to pretend like I'm a life coach. Like been there, done that, right? At epic scale. When I see successful companies, people who are doing this right, it's details. They're doing fewer things, but God damn, is it beautiful what they're doing. So the flow, the elegance, the way that the data moves between platforms. And again, tools like Zapier and others just do a, this fantastic job. MuleSoft, I guess now from Salesforce, connecting this data part, extracting and creating those sort of workflows that just make your life a whole lot better. Things like when you're filling out a form on a website, Thinking about this user experience, and there are a number of platforms, like Formidable's one, right? There's a bunch of them, especially if you're using WordPress. But think about something like this, where like you fill out a form, you know, someone's like, hey, get our amazing white paper, click here for this, you pop up, pops up. Think about that experience. So, so the elegance of like just asking you for your email. And then based off of that, you know, another field pops down and says, hey, thanks for your Gmail. Do you mind telling us where you work? And obviously, I'm smart enough to know that a Gmail or Yahoo, a Hotmail, an AOL, that's your personal. And there's, by, by the way, there's about 200 of these known personal emails, email accounts. I'm using some like sort of clever JavaScript to come back and say to you, hey, dude, that's cool that you're sharing your personal email. I actually want to know your work because once I know your work, then I can go, is this a big company? Is this in my ICP? Who are you? All this kind of stuff. Using that sort of elegance is where we see the most gains. And by the way, when we get stuck, when something's wrong, i always looking at what's the elegance? What's being auto-messaged out? How is it being auto-messaged? All of these things. And so I think a mastery of the details is really important. And so think about how you can wire people to love you. Let me give you one example of this. So was working with one of the largest companies in the world who makes programs where you write documents and spreadsheets and they, were, they had support. And they said to us, you know, we, we need to reinvent support. What do we do? So we looked at the process and they had things like Net Promoter Score. That's a KPI. 
That's an important KPI. Another one is a CSAT score, which is customer satisfaction, one to five stars. How would you rate this? Four to five. If you give it anything less than five, tell us why, all that stuff. Very important. But at the end of every interaction, an email was being sent out and it was a waste. Again, we're going to talk details here. Details, details, details. So the email going out was like, hey, Dan, I'm here at this amazing company and we've closed your ticket. And unless you respond back to us in four days to reopen the ticket, we are considering your case closed. So it's like, okay, great. What's the point of that email? What are you hoping to achieve? What's the experience you want someone to get from that? So we tweaked it. We tweaked it. By the way, when you're at a really big company, I can fully appreciate that making these tweaks is not as easy as listening to a dude on a podcast telling you to make these <laughs> tweaks. It takes a lot of like pain and agony. But here was the change. You know, hey, Dan, great to hang with you. Again, informal. Great to hang with you. Hope we helped you with your problem. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. You know, here, here it is. What else can we help you with you haven't asked us about? I like that. We didn't say, is there anything else we can help you with? Because most people would say, I think I'm all good, right? It's like you walk into a store, can I help you? All good, just looking. We're programmed. So if I say to you, what else can I help you with? Now I'm forcing you to think about what else you need. Here's a fun fact. 70% of people who responded to that, by the way, almost three out of four people responded in the first place. It's 75% almost. But of that 70% of the 75% came back and said, oh, I actually need this thing. And that thing was something that we had to sell them. And when you sell them something, you're making money. And that led to $293 million by the time our campaign was over. And so I know that's a really big company, but guess what? If you're a smaller company of any size, think about how you can orchestrate the language and these details, these follow-up sequences around getting people to have conversations with you. Because a lot of times what they want from you is something that they're like, I want something that does this. And you're like, dude, I've sent you 74 marketing emails. We invited you to 13 webinars, two socials, and you have done none of that. And now in that moment of like, I am filling out a support request or finalizing a support request, they're engaging because they need something. And now you say, what else can we help you? And this, and that turns into revenue. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is way too difficult. But now that I open this, open up these lines of communication, I'm now able to drive additional value. So details, 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 think about that experience and then be thoughtful to drive towards conversations that you can leverage. Ask questions like how, how would you know, right? How would you know if this were something you would, you would be able to achieve? Instead of, you know, what else can I do? That, now you're forcing on them. What's one thing you need, you know? Those sort of questions really drive the conversation in a way that you can turn into revenue. And I know it's a little bit, it's not even manipulative. It's kind of crafty, right? You're helping them. And they're helping you because they're driving revenue to the top of your funnel. And that, that sort of revenue drives to your funnel really fast. So we all have tools. And every single person I've talked to, and perhaps when you think about you know, the stack, when, when, you're, when you're advising, most people have those tools, the intercoms, the Salesforce, the platform, the, the CRMs, the chatbots. But they're so disconnected that they don't create an experience where someone goes, Holy cow. Every time I engage with you, it's, you know, it's very clever. You're very clever, right? It makes me want to do business with you because of the experience. And that 
if you could think about it that way, experience rather than transactional bots and things like that, it will help you frame up the proper stack. And you may decide to swap features and tools simply because one tool creates a better experience than others. I think you're spot on and you're right about the details, right? The details are really where it matters. And I love how you, you connected that all together. I mean, that was super, super cool in regards to the details are going to be what create that experience. And I mean, the copy, I think, is something that people overlook way too often, right? They really don't put the thought into the way that the tone or the message comes across. And I agree with you. I mean, the, the question, that one of the best sales questions that I've ever been taught is, have I asked everything that's important to you today? And it totally changes the entire end of a sales call because now they are no longer in a yes or no situation. And it goes exactly to that same thing you said at support. So Dan, this has been a lot of fun. This has been an amazing interview. I really appreciate taking the time. Thanks for joining us today. Dude, are we done? It, it, all, it flew by. It flew by. It feels like we were just talking over a cup of coffee and now we got to sign off. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like a little sad almost, like, a, like my best friend is leaving. We're going to do this again. Don't worry. We're going to have a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me today. Wow, what a lot of great insight from Dan. And that dude is on fire. It's no surprise this guy can run an ultra marathon. Quick fact, he's the 10th runner on the planet to complete the Run Everest Challenge. Basically, this dude ran enough to run up to the top of Everest and like completely crushed it. What a crazy guy. All right, let's run through what we've learned today. First, we've talked about his focus on effort. Dan is watching the cumulative effort of his sellers closing. He's looking at their activity from phone calls, WhatsApp messages, emails, and all sorts of channels to gauge their activities and effort they're putting into closing a deal. He uses this data to make decisions on where things are going well and where they need to be improved. Going along with that, the second thing Dan was doing is maximizing efficiency. He's constantly looking for ways to improve his team's use of time. By training his team on how to use standard tools like Gmail, GCal, and more, he's able to cut out the time sucks and boost their productivity, giving his team more time to focus on closing deals. And third, details, details, details. Small things add up and making the customer experience amazing at every level is going to leave them wanting to come back to you again and again. That's all we have for this week. Before you go, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. Bye.